Hello, I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the co-creator of Pre-Mortis, A Tale of Modern Horrors. And welcome to Omen to That, a chip-free sporadic podcast series where I'll be talking to a selection of guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. As long as there have been fans, there have been fanzines. The root of the modern zines can be traced back to the 1930s Science Correspondence Club in Chicago and their publication, The Comet. And in 1967, what is cited as the first true fanzine appeared, Spockanalia, based on the popular TV show, Star Trek. And since then, every genre has spawned its own brand of fanzines, from music, sports, TV shows and individuals. And on today's show, I'm pleased to be joined by a guest who's not only the co-founder of the BAM Comic Art and Zine Fair, but a prolific zine creator who's produced works on Nicolas Cage, Neil Breen, Jane Birkin and Morrissey. She's also the creator of the fantastic Merde in France, which teaches you French phrases using pop culture icons. So warm up your photocopier and make sure you've filled up your stapler as we look at the art of the zine. So I'm sure we're all familiar with fanzines or zines, and often they can be more about the fan community than the actual topics they draw their inspiration from. Others are simply expressions of love and dedication towards the subject in question. But one thing that they all have in common is that these self-published DIY works of art are made with a passion rarely seen in the popular media. Although today's zines may be slicker in their production, thanks to the affordability of modern printing, Their popularity and creativity continues as they remain the unofficial counterculture voice of many of our popular genres. And I'm thrilled to be joined by a prolific zine creator who not only produces highly intelligent and observant takes on cultural icons, but manages to retain that organic feel of the much-loved fanzines of old. So it's my absolute pleasure to say a big hello to the show to Rachel Lee Carter. Oh, thanks for having me. That was a bit grand though, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll edit it out after, don't worry. <laughs> I'll just leave the last bit. <laughs> How are you? Are you all right? Yes, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah. How are you dealing with um, lockdown part two this time? It's personal. We didn't loads of comics and zines. <laughs> I know. It sounds better than it is, though, doesn't it? Because if somebody said to me, do you know what? You're going to be locked in your house and you're just going to build holes in your comic collection and read and, and draw and things like that. I think that's brilliant, you know, that's brilliant. But then when it happens, it's not the same because I'm still working from home. So, yeah, you know, it, it's not really changed much from how it was before. I still don't have any time to really do anything. Is it the same for you? You work from home or are you actually out and about? Um, yeah, I, well, well, I work from home part of the week and I work in the office part of the week as well. Um, so I got sort of the best of both worlds i can work from home as much as i like but um but i go in to do sort of essential stuff and that so so i've got a mixture of the two and i kind of like it i think it's been in in a way not that the uh, lockdown and covid and anything's very good at all but it's been good in in the sense that it's made 
businesses see that their staff can work from home or yeah. you know, quite not not everybody obviously but um it makes things a bit more flexible um so that's quite nice but uh but yeah like you I find that I'm still just as busy anyway and if if not I probably end up doing more work from home <laughs> so yeah not... that's the danger though isn't it it's having the boundary between you know being able to kind of set your hours and stick to your hours you know we all work obviously beyond them when we need to but you know it, it can become too easy to do that so yeah. but yeah I think you're right I think me moving forward what people might find that life's a little different because you know the old um, theories that you can't do certain jobs from home has been disproved and it's quite good as well because there's not so many people in the office mm. um we, we we all get on really well and everything but it but when it's quiet you can just crack on you know so yeah um cool. and just a question about your creativity then how have you found that over the the kind of lockdown periods is it has it stayed the same or have you found because people i've spoken to it's gone one way or the other way you've had people who mm. it's really dropped off because they've they've kind of almost become kind of um they've had too much time and because of that it's kind of completely frozen them and other people have gone crackers and just yeah. seem to be creating more than ever well um i um during the first lockdown i um started doing a, a painting of a, a french pop singer um once a week yeah and made a, I made a zine out of those um during lockdown so um so that was good because um, i don't have a lot of time to to do um creative stuff but um but i was making myself stick to that and doing one a week or so and so so i managed to do that during the first lockdown but the um the intention was always to finish um issue two of my nick cage zine and that's still not done um it was supposed to be the the next focus and i'm kind kind of um sometimes just don't feel like i can settle down to getting on with it even though mm. I know I need to and um yeah so I've been a bit distracted lately so maybe when when we're in the second lockdown perhaps I'll start doing doing more drawing again I don't yeah. know yeah yeah and those portraits you did they're, they're lovely as well I was just looking at them Aww. earlier on your on your available on Rachel's Etsy site which we'll be giving links to later but they are no they're really nice they're really Thank really you. nice um yeah. I enjoyed doing those yeah you can tell actually. I, I find this with art sometimes. You can, I, I always get a sense because I, I feel like with, with my work as well, but I can always tell, I think, when somebody's enjoyed doing something. I don't know what it is. It's, you know, probably talking nonsense, but I get there's always a sense in there of enjoyment. And Aww. you can always tell when somebody's really slaved over something as well. You know, and when I've spoken to them, they're going, oh, I bloody hate to do that. And, yeah, but these are lovely. I mean, they're really nicely done. Thank you. You know, I can't profess to recognising many of them. There's only a couple that I knew, but they are lovely images. So please go and have a look. And for original art, they're cheap as well. So go and buy them if you're a yeah, fan of French I've, pop. I've sold a few of them. So I mean, um, like the zines them, themselves are, are a lot cheaper, but the, but the original um, mm -hmm. pieces of artwork, um, um, they're not that expensive. I've, I've sold a few, but... I, I thought I might sell more, but um, that's always the the way of the um, independence, isn't it? That you know, oh, just, <laughs> you always think like, oh, you know, people like those, and they do, but they yeah. don't buy them. 
So after you've ordered 200 copies of something, <laughs> and then you, you're left looking at the other 198 because you gave two away for somebody to. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I oh, know. It's all good fun, though, isn't it? Um, a crowded um, corridor um, <laughs> full of boxes of um, different zines and things like that. That I think they'll go eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, H and I were racking our brains the other day about you know getting rid of some older stuff we've got, and we were like, we just need a need just need a fire sale or a fire. We can't decide <laughs> which one. <laughs> Probably have more success with the fire than the fire sale, but we might just punt a load of stuff out just re- ridiculously cheap um, or give it away in some cases but anyway we're here to talk about fanzines as I used to recall them when I was younger and now obviously in the modern world uh, they're referred to as zines so before we get on to that can you just tell us a little bit about have you always been interested in art have you always been creative mm, I've always been interested in it but um, I haven't always done it because I, I was always told that I wasn't very good at it so I didn't really do it and um, I remember sort of dabbling in things and years ago I had this this one boyfriend and I was doing a a project in in secret from him Um, and uh, he found it and just said how um, crap it was and uh, and I thought oh and I I hadn't thought it was crap but I just kind of got rid of it because he'd said that and uh, um, you know, it's only when you look back and you think like, what, you know, what, why, you know, yeah. I've always had ideas for things, like silly ideas, and I just get um, um, absurd ideas for things and um, want to do them, and I can't really do them, but Dave, my current partner, who I've been with for a long time now, mm. he's always been supportive and thinks that, uh, thinks it really enjoys the stuff that I do and, yeah. and just encourage it. and um, uh, we'd started by making it each year we would make each other a little book and it was just silly things things that would mean something to us and we would both kind of illustrate them or just just do writing and illustrate them it was quite good fun doing it I, was, I felt a little pressured because I, I can't I can't really draw and I can't I can't draw everything so even if I draw badly, it's sort of like if somebody said draw a bicycle, I, I can't draw a bicycle. You know, I have to see things to be able to, to do them. Like even a banana, I can draw a banana, but I'd have to see a picture of it to draw it. I've not got that kind of, of mind. Yeah. Right. And and I don't really have any skills. I've not had any training or anything because I was told I was so rubbish at it. So I never, never did any training. So I just muddle along. But I find that I'm better with acrylic paints. Mm. Um, I can disguise, disguise quite a lot. <laughs> I've got to say, I disagree when you say you can't draw, because that is, um, I'm just calling nonsense on that one, I'm afraid, because <laughs> you can draw and you can paint. I think your work's lovely. And, and I mean, just looking at those, those particularly those French portraits that you've done, spectacular. They're really nice. They're really, Aww. really, and I'm not just saying that, they genuinely are really nice. So, this this thing about you can't draw, you can pack that in before you carry on because that's not true. Um, well, it's it's what people tell you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know, but people you tell know. you all sorts of stuff, yeah. don't they? Don't mean it's true. I mean, you know, I think you've got a unique talent there, and you you do have a lovely style. Um, yeah. and, it, and it is no, it isn't. I genuinely do. And 
the whole creativity that you you put into these things, which we'll talk about some of the examples, is is great. You know, it's it's really really nice and intelligent stuff, as I said at the start. And yeah, so don't don't do yourself down. There's too many people do that for you. That's oh, my, my stern word of today's show. That's that's what I say. Like everybody should come on your show, Damien. You, you get like a yeah, picking <laughs> yeah. everyone up. <laughs> Until they tell me to shut up because I, I can't <laughs> podcast and then I'll go in the doldrums and never do another one. But, uh, I mean, did you always love art then? Was it something that you would you would actively seek out, you know, to go and see in galleries or, or pick up magazines and stuff? Or did it just I've grow over time? I've always liked um, pop culture and art, music, films, everything. I've just always liked, liked all of that. And um, with comics... It's something that I've got into more as I've got older, but mm. I was always into that as well, mostly from a, a humour point of view. Um, and but because I used to I used to subscribe to Oink comic yeah. when I was yeah. uh, in my late teens and um, yeah. and Viz and stuff like that as well. But um, yeah, I've, I've always liked art in general, um, but never. <laughs> never felt confident enough to do yeah. anything about it so in fact it's um, only started drawing in my um very late 30s early 40s right. so um yeah 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 i, I stopped for 20 years um, i know that's crazy though that is I know. yeah and now I, I kind of i really regret it but you, you can't live your life in regret can you just got to think right i've got no, 20 years worth make, to make, make up, up for it now it. yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah i could have been half decent if i'd have carried on possibly i'll have you <laughs> um so did you have any influences did you with a particular artist that, that you think you may either consciously or subconsciously have, have got your style from or is it just <laughs> something that you've naturally done yourself no i've just just tried to just tried to muddle through basically but the um the french pop art stuff that i did mm. um i'd say probably um uh guy pilat or however you say his name um the belgian i think he's belgian or was a belgian artist who who did lots of um pop art style stuff um right. in the 60s and 70s and um and through, through to the 80s but it wasn't so much um, pop art in in that style he, he changed then mm. um but i liked i liked that strong black lines and um and bold colors and things yeah yeah but yeah. i'm, I'm sucker for an outline <laughs> yeah yeah um but it's harder than you think isn't it because um i i thought like oh if you if you just draw something really simple that's that should be easy but actually it's quite hard to um distill something down to basics I, I, and i think um i'm not saying i'm any good at it but people that are good at that having what looks like a very simple style it's actually quite hard to achieve it is very hard yeah it is it's it's incredibly difficult to and to retain the likeness as well we yeah. Do with these. yeah um there's a fine line between losing the detail and losing the likeness. You know, you've you've nailed it with these. Yeah, so we'll put links into um, Rachel's Etsy store where you can see these and hopefully buy them because they are lovely. And um, 
other things as well, which we'll talk about now, which is some of your zines that you've created. So you're probably best known within the um, creative sort of circle that we move in for your zines or fanzines, as I, I will keep calling them. So um, can you remember where your interest in zines came from? And, and, you know, what was the first maybe zine or fanzine that you, you bought or was aware of? Well, um, I used to buy, like you, I suppose, and um, I, I remember fanzines, not back from the 70s, but from the 80s. I used to buy um, fanzines, but they, at that point, mainly music-related ones, and I can't remember yeah. any any in particular. I used to just, people would come up to you at a gig and say, would you like to buy my fanzine? And, um, you know, it'd be a quid or something, 50p or something like that. And um, you'd just look at who was in there and, and decide whether to buy it or not. And I used to buy those kind of scenes back then. Um, and sadly, um, I haven't really kept hold of any of those kind of things over the years. I've moved around quite a lot. But, um, but then later, I realised that um, there's this crossover in terms of they're not necessarily just fanzines in terms of people writing about um music that they like or i don't know films that they like or what have you but that there was yeah. the crossover with the comic books as well so yeah. that people would make what you'd call zines which might not necessarily be fanzines as such but they were um small press um homemade lo-fi type um comic books that are mm. maybe only eight pages long or something and uh, they're sold as zines so um, over the years, I, I've, I, I mean, I've got quite a big collection of zines um, and having started to go to comic book events, I'd, I would tend to um, gravitate towards the smaller sort of indie type stuff and, the, and the, that kind of thing because I like kind of quirky stuff. And yeah. uh, I'd, I'd find lots of stuff that way. But um, but yes, I, I originally did buy sort of music related fanzines. So I was always aware of them. And, and some years ago, when I first moved to London, when in my early 20s, I was planning to do my own fanzine then. And I just never got around to it. I think I've always been one of these people who's lacked confidence. And um, I kind of... St- I feel like if I had to look at it, I'd feel like I started life quite late on, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. I always wanted to do certain things and, and just never did them. And I think it was not having support or people saying to me, yeah, do that. It's a good idea. So I'd, I'd try and do things off my own back. And then and then I'd kind of give up because I think, well, what am I going to do with it when I'm done? Mm. Um, and it's it's only having the support that I've got from my partner Dave, who um, just tells me, you know, basically tells me that anything I do is great, um, <laughs> which may or may not be a good thing. Um, but so I I just do stuff now because there doesn't seem to be any reason why I can't do it other than yeah. having the money to print it and yeah. Um, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, but, no, it's interesting because I remember um, and I wasn't aware that they were fanzines as such but I, I remember picking up some of the comic zines that were out um there was some there was one called um and i, I wish i still had them i think i do still have them somewhere there's one called arkans um which was quite a famous one at the time and that was um 
you know, it was it was interesting to see because I didn't know at the time because I was quite young that these were just people creating their own stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there was things more famous of like fantasy advertiser and things like that 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 you know became international fantasy advertiser and all this sort of stuff. And they were a bit more well put together and you know they had some quite famous um, editors, you know, dead skin people like that. And um, yeah, but again, I wasn't I wasn't aware that they were. They were fan made until a friend of mine who was in art college. Um, he was much older than me, and him and another friend of his taught me to used to t- give me drawing lessons when I was a kid. Um, and they created their own fanzine, and that's the first time I became aware of a fanzine being. That you just created. do it. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it was photocopied and stapled, and, yeah. and it was called Comics Graphic, and I remember that was you know comics with an X, obviously, yeah. and it was great. And I just thought, God, you know, you can you can make this stuff. I, mean, I had no, absolutely no concept of copyright or anything like that as a kid. <laughs> you just <laughs> you can draw anything, what? and and it was it was a real eye opener. And then I got into um, reading other fanzines around music, like you say. Um, I contributed to a, an appa once. There was an appa going round that was a kind of counterculture thing, and it was called Frank's Appa, which immediately appealed to me. Because um, initially I thought it was Frank Zappa, you know, but, but, <laughs> and you had to kind of um, you do your bit and then you'd post it onto the next person and they'd do their bit and they'd post it onto the next person. And it was an interesting kind of concept. Um, and I think I think they still go appers. I think people are still doing them now. I mean, you probably know better than me if they are. No. And yeah, and 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 then it moved into as I got a bit older. Um, there was a whole world of football fanzines that are amazing. Really, really excellent writers and, and artists who contribute to it and again as i mentioned earlier on they, they tended to be more about the, the kind of community and the culture rather than just you know the sport that the sport was almost secondary sometimes yeah so it's been a, a long and varied history hasn't it zines but in your opinion though what what makes a good zine you know what's the difference between say that on a comic and what do you think the key ingredients are in general, for zines, what um, if I was looking at, um, let's start with ones that are not necessarily illustrated. Yeah. Um, I would say um, something that um, is a passion for someone because basically there's people out there who write stuff and they've got such a great knowledge and um, they can share this by mm. a you know this small press books or um zines whatever you want to call them and um and there are there's there's kind of there's a there's a market for most things really and it's but it's amazing what you can find and i don't know if you know it but there's um a, a zine shop in glasgow called good press and right. they sell zines on behalf of everybody Oh. And um, they, they just take a, a, a small cut, but they've got their own website and their own shop and they promote it all and they sell it all. And I mean, basically, I, I send stuff to them and they sell it for me, which I'm really grateful for. And I usually just keep any anything rolling that the money that they've got for me and then I'll end up buying other zines with the money. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing. You can get um, I've, I've bought things for Dave, like really complex books about free jazz and stuff like right. that that you just think this should really be a proper 
published book, although it's a it's a proper published zine, you know. But at the same time, it's um it's more press and probably niche. But it they're so well researched and have such amazing information in them and um, amazing resources that um, really they should be serious works of art, you know. But yeah. but they're not as it is. But but you can find them out there, and um, but you can find zines on, and I'm sure you you know you can find a zine on anything. Yeah. And um, like any subject that you could think of, and whether that's um, Bakelite radios, um, as I discussed, I think previously with um, uh, Tony Esmond and so on, um, moon cups. Yes. Uh, which we, we don't really want to go into. Um, and. <laughs> But anything, there's there's things about any subject that you could think of, any and in the same way that there's probably you could make up a, a website and it probably exists. It's the same for zines. There's all there's someone out there who's doing a zine on some particular subject that you wouldn't think would exist, but it does. And it's just just the the fact that there's all these people out there who are getting some information or sharing um, some knowledge or sharing their passion or um, just writing nonsense or writing personal stuff and and it's it's all out there if you can find it or know where to look for it and the, the first proper proper zine fair I went to that wasn't um, just a comic fair that had zines attached to it um, it was in South London somewhere and I, I didn't have a store there because I think what I found difficult when I first started doing stuff was not knowing where to tap into finding out who can help you market your stuff or sell it. And right. so I, I, I was, you know, I had my um, um, Made in France zine and um, which is like how to learn how to speak French using pop culture references. And it was just a lot of silliness. But I, I didn't know where to go to sell it and there was this there were lots of zine fairs but I couldn't possibly get a stall at them because I didn't have enough zines and th so people didn't take you seriously because it was like ah we, yeah you know we like your stuff but um you know we come back when you've got more and it was like but why would I produce more things and not be able to sell those as well I, yeah. I couldn't really work out how you were supposed to get out there and sell things because if you've got comics you can there are independent comic shops that might take your small press um comic books and sell them but there there aren't that many zine shops there are some mm. but i didn't know about them and um you know I'm, I'm still finding out about stuff um these years later but it was like where do you start but i went to this massive zine fair in south london they said that i could put my books on a, a, a communal table and there were quite a few of us there and you didn't have to stay there but I kind of wanted to stay there because I wanted to engage with people and yeah. uh, but but this was the most enormous sort of um, disused warehouse type thing and I couldn't but I was just it was fabulous it was like heaven there were all these stalls like hundreds of them with people from all over the world and like I say I spent a ton of money there I sold quite a few books or, you know, it felt like it at the time and uh, I did quite well, but I spent far more money than I made. And um, and it was amazing because it was just there's all these people out there doing stuff. And it's not the same as what you do, but it's interesting. It's weird. It's um, yeah, 
well done it's cheaply done it's just pieces of scrap paper you know and uh, well researched and not researched at all and it it was just fabulous I couldn't believe all this stuff was out there and so then you find that there's this there, there are all these people out there and but it still took me a while to find the group of people that I kind of um, um, engage with on social media now uh, which includes yourself um, but I did and that was thanks to this event which I went to in um, yeah. Cheltenham a couple of years ago right. and uh, it was comic summit and I realized that I didn't really do comics as such I just do odd illustrations that, that mm. go in books so I, w I don't do sequential artwork or anything like that but I kind of thought it might help me and I because I still felt a bit out of it being older and I kind of gathered that being a, a woman wasn't really an issue and it isn't but I felt out of it because I was older and I thought oh it's all going to be young people but it was a total mix of people who were there talking about comics and how to sell small press comics and how to get your work out there and all of that it was free it was a two-day mm. event John Locke was running it and um and it was fabulous and I, I made contacts there yeah. and and it was through that that I then found this world of strange and weird and talented people out there who, brilliant though isn't it yeah it is yeah. it's amazing it's I mean, the most supportive thing ever yeah it's um there's something about zines that I've always liked um, and I'm not I'm not a huge collector of them and and I'm fascinated by just the different styles. Because, um, again, you know, going back to when I first was introduced to them, they were all very similar in the way that they were put together. You know, it mm. was all literally cut and paste. Of, yeah, you know, photograph. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, handwritten or hand-drawn, mostly. Or typed on a typewriter. Yep, yep. Dodgy yeah. photocopies, which adds yeah. to the beauty, I think sometimes i mean i do think we lose a bit these days with modern printing as, as great as it is um you know because it can even make like my stuff look half decent you know the way they print it but <laughs> i do think that there's something i love that's why i love old comics you know you go back and, and you look at something from like you know the 70s and 80s and you know the I, paper wasn't great and the color bleeds you, you can't read it because um, oh, it, it looks well, like it's been printed on twice yeah but it's beautiful isn't it you know it's there's something about it and and that's what i liked about zines i like the fact that you could tell somebody had basically you know sat at the kitchen table or in the bedroom or wherever it may be mm. and have put this together they, yeah. they, they were dedicated to put it together and i, I love that I, yeah. I think even now I'm, i was flicking through earlier through examples and i'm amazed now how different they can look though because you still get those classic you know almost um pencil sketch type covers and of zines and, and you know yeah. handwritten to what look like bloody academic journals you know i mean yeah. it's incredible so with with your work then is there a particular kind of process that you follow or does it depend on the the topics because you know i've got several of your your pieces of work and they are quite different if we talk about the murder in france which i think is a brilliant concept by the way where you can <laughs> You can learn French phrases using popular culture figures. You know, the, the Johnny Marr always makes me laugh. Always <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, and someone who's not very good at French, probably come in handy. But <laughs> but you compare that to your brilliant 
retelling of the Morrissey autobiography, which I have to have to talk about. Because <laughs> it's it's basically Morrissey misery in bite-sized chunks. And it it's just it looks totally different. It looks like two different creators. Even yeah. though when you read them, you can tell it's you because it's got your humour and it, it's got your stamp all over it. But visually it looks very different. Is that a conscious thing that you do or do you just well, go with the flow on them? That was, I think, um, with Murder in France, it was um, it was just as basic as possible because I had all these ideas where certain words in French would suggest people to me, key figures, you know. So, like, Johnny Marr, Johnny Marr from The Smiths and stuff. And I, I just came up with a list of other people and I drew them um, quite scrappily and, and just did it all very basic. It was just all handwritten. And, um, yeah, so that, that was just a, a quick well I say quick it probably took me a long time because I, I, I was scared of doing the drawing but the Morrissey thing because I wanted it to be a kind of spoof of his autobiography which came out by Penguin I asked Dave my partner um, to design it so that it looked like the Penguin book except that any pictures that were in it were my illustrations and some of them quite good and some of them not so good so that started off on my um I was I've still got it but I don't really do very much on it I had a, a blog called um hero cult and I right. used, used to just write about um things that I was interested in mostly pop culture related stuff at the time that the Morrissey book came out I had friends who said oh I can't read it it's just it's it's boring it's just terribly boring but I wanted to read it and I, I have to say that I was a big fan of the Smiths and I was a fan yeah. of Morrissey yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but he's very much in my bad books <laughs> I yeah. know, I know. Um, and it's a shame because for me um, I kind of relate the Smiths and Morrissey with innocence because I was a teenager yeah. when the Smiths were around and for me it was um, it was I've always, I link them to my teenage years and and mm. innocence and childhood and I, I always thought foolishly thought that um he'd be quite a nice person because a lot of his songs are about on sensitive issues about being lonely and about yeah. being unloved yeah. and stuff like that but actually he's probably lonely and unloved because he's such a horrible person <laughs> yeah. but, um, just just to say there's a lo lovely mean i don't know if you've seen it if i find it i'll, I'll retweet it where it's kind of like a scene from back to the future you know where Doc Brown comes back at the very end of the first film and he says to Marty, you've got to come back with me to the future. And he goes, why? You know, is it the kids? And he goes, no, Morris is a complete arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I mean, for me, you know, Johnny Lydon's another one that, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love punk and I, I love the pistols and I love all that kind of, you know, anti-establishment. Well, but now I've realised that the character that he was playing, he's turning into and yeah. he's becoming just a bit of a dick. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and I mean, part of me, I still really deep down hold this this little faint hope that he's still playing a character. It's yeah. like, I know, I'll come yeah. out as pro-Trump because that'll piss everyone off and make, make them yeah. hate me. And I still hope that's part of it. But the more I hear from him and the more I think, I'm not so sure now, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Well, that's it, because I made um, excuses for Morrissey over the years. Yeah. Like, not, not, I, I just kind of thought that he was his own worst enemy and that 
he didn't realize that that his behavior that he would i thought that he would behave in a certain way mm. because um he didn't want people telling him what he should do but actually you know because it was like if you if you say these things people will think you're racist mm. and then it gets to a point it's like no you keep saying these things yeah. and you're actually like and because he kept saying all the way along like oh people have just got it in for me you know no they, <laughs> no they haven't you're just you've got it in for yourself I know. but but at that point that i did that book i have to say i was still um thinking that he could still be misunderstood yeah uh, I just misunderstood him. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I think we all misunderstood him. I think we genuinely, because I, I was the same, and I'm bitterly disappointed in the way he's he's turned out. You know, yeah. and it's, I mean, I know someone who, who refuses to listen to the Smiths now, and and I'm I'm like, well, uh-huh. hang on a minute, I can't go that far simply because I, you know, you have to sometimes separate when things are done in the context of when they were written and performed or whatever. You know, sometimes they go off the rails when they get a little bit older or when they get more famous yeah you can't just wipe out the entire back catalogue because no you know it just seems a bit it's almost like punishing yourself for that isn't it you know oh uh, yeah because yeah yeah i couldn't i couldn't write off the smiths and and even some of the early um well not even early i haven't i must admit i've not got the the latest morrissey records no Uh, and it's not because i'm kind of pouting about him being racist or anything i think he just no longer interests me but he was still put up up to the point that i was buying his records he was still producing or could produce really great stuff yeah yeah Uh, but as a person um i think he's got it wrong and i think i think he's spoiled and um i don't think that's where he comes from I would, I would imagine a lot of people that knew him and knew him well many years ago would say, "Oh, I knew him, and he wasn't like that." And no. I, don't, I don't know why he's become like that, but no, no, but I mean, we never will. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think it's um, self-sabotage in some ways, but he obviously has a disregard for other people. But as I say, at the point that I was doing this book and a lot of friends had said, oh, I can't read it. And I said, well, OK, I'll read it and I'll I'll rewrite it. I, yeah. I'll give you a summary of, of, of what's happening in it. And I think the first maybe 70 pages or 100 pages or so were quite hard going and boring to get through. But after a certain point, I kind of got into the swing of it. And then he got really boring again because he was going on about the court case. And that was really boring. Um, I I did kind of enjoy reading his book and I enjoyed rewriting it. And I kind of tongue in cheek, taking the piss out of him, uh, his woe is me, everybody hates me sort of attitude. At the same time as feeling some kind of affection for him at the time. And so I did it on the website and people were really enjoying it. And then I thought, well, if I did illustrations to go with it, I could make that into a little small press book. So I did that and um, I was a bit daunted because I wasn't sure that I could draw him. And uh, um, but I gave it a go and it took me a little while and I did that. But that's the reason that that looks very different to the very um, amateurish looking hand drawn everything made in france was because i wanted it to look like the the penguin autobiography and i would insist that because i because i didn't want 
you know the, the whole thing about uh, rights to stuff and that i didn't want people to not buy his book because yeah. of the silly book but obviously realizing that some people would buy it because it was taking a piss but i would i had this thing at the time which was like a little um uh um sort of powerpoint presentation thing which was um have you read morris's new book yes no and then it would say <laughs> and it was basically saying you need to buy his book first before you buy this you need to have tried to you know you need to have bought his book and supported his um his work to buy this book i mean i'm not saying that i would actually say to somebody have you definitely bought morris's book before they bought it but the idea was they should buy morris's book and then yeah. they could buy mine if they couldn't read morris's book because they found it too boring I think yeah. it's great. I mean, I, I, I'm sort of halfway through at the moment because obviously I've got a, a whole set of stuff off here, so I'm working my way through them. And um, I, I find it more entertaining than Morris's book. I've got to be honest. I mean, I did like the opening to Morris's book. I can't remember it now, but I did like the Lots first of people of... died. It was, like, <laughs> it was like every year someone died. But I referenced that in the um, Nicolas Cage book about, um, you know, do you remember the day-to-day? -day? Yes. The comedy yep. show. And they used to do spoof documentaries and yeah. they did this documentary um, called The Office. And um, I think it was called The Office, something like that. And, um, oh no, not The Office, it's not The Office. It was the, the pool, the swimming pool. Coogan was yeah. the uh, the pool caretaker. Yeah. And um, he was being asked about incidents at the pool and <laughs> and he, he starts going on about um they were saying like somebody had died and he's like oh i, I kind of resent that and it's like in 1975 no one died 1976 <laughs> no one died and then and then it goes through to in you know in 1985 someone died yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just just ridiculous and that was a bit like the morrissey book which yeah. was the, every year someone died and it would also always be something really horrific or like his cousin setting fire to himself in the garden or something like that you know and it was like my goodness i mean you, you wouldn't want to be his mate would you let's be honest <laughs> a jonah isn't he it's like you know be like the murder she wrote you know you won't want to hang around with her i used to hate that program you know but um <laughs> you wouldn't you, you're not old enough i've started watching it now i love it <laughs> oh i've got this uh, I I don't know what it is, right? We're going off topic slightly, but I have an inexplicable dislike for certain people. Angela Lansbury is one of them. She's and quite I, I've no idea why. I just never liked her. Doris Day is another one. Yeah, oh, my God, yeah, Doris Day is quite... Just, there's you know, something about Doris Day that's really quite sinister. Yeah, I was going to say sinister. Like I, I'm glad you said that, because I thought it was me. Secret. Yeah. And there's just random people that I just cannot take to. And I don't know. And people go, why not? And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't. You know. I'm, and... I'm like that with Meryl Streep. I hate her. <laughs> oh. I think it's because she's always in miserable films. But, you know, it's just, it's just I, I, um, I call her bag of nails because <laughs> she's got a face like a bag of nails. And, um, but. She just annoys me that she takes herself too seriously, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and everybody always says, oh, you know, she's a, she's a, she's a treasure. You know, everything she does is is gold. You know, it's like no, it's not. It's all depressing. <laughs> Nobody likes it. They just pretend to like it. I, they, yeah, there's just people that irritate you, aren't there? I know. I know exactly what you mean. I'm glad it's not just me then. So let's get back to your your work then before we get sued by anyone. So. I've got in my hand here some classics of, of your zine 
genre. And let's start with with one of my favourites, which is Nick Cage, Actor for Hire. I absolutely love this. It's brilliant. <laughs> I, I do. And A, I like Nick Cage anyway. I love Nick Cage. I've always loved Nick Cage. Even even Nick Cage when he's really, really bad is really, really good. What, what are you talking about? Is he ever no. really bad? <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of my heroes is John Waters, so I love all things slightly not quite right. You know, the I've kind got, of things I've got that... to stop you there because you did the most wonderful portrait of him the other day. And that was oh, great. I haven't finished it yet. Well, <laughs> I loved it as it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I love John Waters. And um, I, I remember, funny enough, um, being a, a kid and my mum liked John Waters as well, strangely enough. My mum I quite... Watched... Quite I watched um, Pink Flamingos with my mum. Yeah. I did. She bought me the a box video, set. video store thing rental. She she once bought me when I was about, oh, God, I would have been in my teens, the box set of uh, John Waters films that, that came out. <laughs> and uh, we sat and ploughed through them all, you know, right, you know, desperately in and Pink Flamingos, all that lot. And she just loved them. But I've always loved that kind of film that other people sit there looking at it going, what the f- is this? Yeah. You know? You know, what you're watching, I mean, the most recent example of that that I can recall was watching The Greasy Strangler. Oh, which, yeah, I really liked that. I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. And H was like, I can't watch this. I can't watch it. It's just ridiculous. It's like absurd. I'm like, it's brilliant. You know, the, the, the overlong pauses. It's also like really gross, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's I mean, it's no wonder. Which, uh, which John of course, Waters. like Don Waters is really gross as well. Yeah. yeah, but it was his number one film of the year that year, wasn't it? You know, he does a list every year of his favourite oh, films. Oh, really? Yeah, The yeah. Greasy Strangle was the winner that year. And I thought, I've got to see it. And um, I loved it. But there's something about slightly bad acting that, really appeals to me waters who've got their own little world going on oh yeah you know and and like a a stable of actors or or non-actors um uh, who who they call upon and it's like their own little world that's that's going on out there and they they get these people in and a lot of them will be in everything you know some of them will be in everything others will come in and out and and then they'll be like start you'll pull on a uh get a a major star and put them in a role that you wouldn't have seen them in and it'll work yeah. really well because he can see something else in them i love that kind of thing yeah well i met him years ago um, we went to the hay festival because he was doing a talk and and i met him and i was a complete mess basically <laughs> no, I just, normally i don't get bothered by things like that but but the great bit of that was were your knees he was, trembling he was, yeah it was yeah and he was signing um it was when role models his book role models came out and he was signing copies of it and he said who am i signing it to and i said it's damien and h you know and he misheard me and he signed it damien and hate and there's two things because he, he went <laughs> hate he went I love that. Your parents called you hate. And H was just like, yeah, <laughs> it was like, just go with it because he loved it. And I said to him, if everybody gets funding for another film, there'll be a character called hate in it. I guarantee it because he just he saw his eyes light up. And, and the other thing that made me laugh is he spelt my name right because everyone always spells Damien the wrong way for me because it's with an, an I and an A. Yeah. And uh, he spelt it correctly without prompting. And even my dad doesn't spell it right. You know, he never has done. He always misspells it. So I was impressed with that, but yeah. So well, you so, got your name right at least. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It still makes us laugh to this day. It was that a great funny. moment. Anyway, back to Nick Cage. So yeah. Nick Cage, actor for hire. So I, I assume reading this that you're a bit of a fan 
Yeah. And I live in Bath and, and he lived here for a while and I never saw him. And uh, But, I, you know, we know people who say like, oh, I bumped into Nick Cage today. So nice. And, you know, who's like, Why, how can we never see Nick Cage in the street? You know, um, and uh, so I ne- I've never met him. Never, never been probably not allowed to be within <laughs> distance of him. Um, um, no, I've never met him. And uh, we we're always kind of hoping that he'd be at the um, um the Nick Cage um, fest, film festival mm. up in Glasgow that Matchbox Cine Club used to do. There, there were always rumours like he, he might come, you know, he knows he might he might come. But um, and there was last last year when we went because it's in um, it's to coincide with his birthday, which is in January, and um, he was in the UK. And in fact, he was in Wales. He'd been on New yeah. Year's. He'd been in Wales in a bar buying everybody in the pub around of drinks and we were like he's gonna come isn't he he's gonna come to the, the film festival he's gonna be here he's gonna come up to Glasgow and he didn't come um so but there was always the hope that that he would turn up and that we would all like rush him you know yeah, yeah. um but no we so I've never met him but um I love him I love his acting I like him as a person which probably means I'll find out something really terrible about him let's hope not it's another one off the I, list, it isn't it? It can't happen to me. It's terrible. But yeah, he's. Uh, I I just really like his work, and I like, I like the fact that he puts everything into things, even if it's the crappiest film you've ever seen. He will still make an enormous effort to be as good as he can be, yeah. uh, or to make the best of a of a bad film. Um, but there aren't many of his films that I think are that terrible. No. I've got to say. No, but you know, strangely enough, I, I kind of don't really like his his action stuff as much as I like his other. I think he's a brilliant character actor, and you know, Wild at Heart again, David Lynch, another, another mm. kind of hero of mine, and I, I love Wild at Heart. It's just, I think it's just yeah. a wonderful film, and and he really gets the character of Sailor in that as well. You know, yeah. when you read the, if you read the novels that they were based on, he really does kind of encapsulate it, but. He always has this slightly unhinged approach to, to roles, doesn't he? And, and I like that. You know, I like that you never quite know what you're going to get. I mean, one of the greatest yeah. regrets I think we ever saw was that Tim Burton's Superman film never happened with him. Because that would have just been immense, wouldn't it? You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> have you seen that documentary about it? No, no. Oh, it's, it's, it's really good. And um, there's a bit of footage of him in that, not not acting, but being fitted with the costume. And it's just amazing. And yeah. it would have been fabulous. And because I kind of got an interest as well in, in major films that don't get made, you know, because mm. of the problem. Because there was the, the um, Jodorowsky was going to make June David Lynch did and that was a bit of a fascination of mine went to this really great exhibition where you could see all the artwork and all the plans and everything for this Mm. um for this uh film that never got made and um so to see um um this footage of um Nicolas Cage all dressed up in this amazing outfit Mm. with it he was wearing a wig um and um, he, he just he would have been made for that role, but again, it was another one of those projects that was um, um, thwarted at every turn, and yeah. uh, lots of things just went wrong. Fascinating documentary if you get a chance to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. Well, in hindsight, you never know. It might have been a good thing it didn't come to fruition uh, yeah. because the the myth of it may be greater than 
Yeah. Oh, well, with Tim Burton behind it, I think it would have been brilliant anyway. Because Tim Burton yeah. at that point was his, his peak, wasn't he? Coming off Batman and, you know, Edward Scissorhands and all that sort of stuff around that period. So, yeah. I think and I think, he, I think Nicolas Cage would have been good in it, but, yeah. you know, that's, we'll never know. Um, never say yeah. never. Right? Yeah, he's a, he's a bit old for it now, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. You know. could do some of the older Superman stuff. So premise around Nick Cage Act of High then. Do you want to just talk us through for people mm. listening what it's about? I don't really know. I'm I'm not massively into um superhero comics as such. Um Dave likes some of that sort of stuff, but not all of it. But mm. um but Luke Cage Nick Cage was named himself after um Luke Cage because he was his, one of his favourite comic book stars. So I thought, well, really instead of luke cage hero for hire it yep. should be nicholas cage actor for hire because he is yep. like it that's basically what he is um yep. these days uh it was well documented that he had some some money troubles and when you're talking money troubles he's still worth about 28 million at the time <laughs> but to him that's like peanuts and like so he's basically called upon uh, whatever film somebody offers him he'll, he'll take it yeah claiming that he was poor you know so this this is what happens with him so it became nick cage actor for hire and i thought well i i want i want people to take him seriously because everybody always says oh he's always in shit films isn't he isn't he that terrible actor or doesn't he always overact and stuff and it just really pisses me off that people don't actually watch the films yeah, and criticize yeah. them they haven't they, or maybe they've seen one film with him in and then they've written him off as like oh he just does action films or oh he just does that you know that awful romantic film the mm. you know captain corelli's mandolin thing or whatever and but they're not looking at the breadth of what he does and how he can do all of these things and i can understand he's not going to be everybody's cup of tea but i think he i think he's been in enough that you'd like something by him and it does kind of annoy me a bit that people just take him for a joke and he's not um mm. so mm. i don't know how far that comes across in what i do because um you know i do kind of criticize the films too <laughs> um except that i always big up nick cage because you know it's <laughs> great it's great so basically you get a description of, of humorous i've got to say a really humorous description of the films and and also some I mean, I love the images of Nick Cave because he's a he's a bastard to draw. Nick Cave, he's really <laughs> difficult to draw. I find him almost impossible. He's in that Harrison Ford kind of circle of people that I just find impossible to draw. Um, there's um, there's some something you about get him. that when um when I I'm drawing him, sometimes I find that he looks like other people, and I can't think for the life of it who it is now. Where I sometimes think, oh, he looks like, and then I'm like, no, no, it yeah. still looks like Nicholas Cage, but I. I I'll, I'll remember at some point who it is but um but yeah quite quite often i find when i'm drawing him that he ends up looking a bit like someone else um who he's not meant to look like yeah but, but, he does, but he's got such strong features <laughs> his bone structure and his nose and you know his striking eyes and yeah stuff. So it's a great um zine and i keep i keep getting promised that there's a second one um, i know there's something well, missing wild at heart in here aren't we you know what i mean well yeah. well that's it so the idea is um he's made a lot of films as you probably know um <laughs> and he's yeah it continues to do so um so i think it would be something that's never finished because um that book 
the first one, um, the only one at the moment, has it got maybe seven or eight films in it or something like that. Um, so bearing in mind that he's already made over 80 films, um, mm. you know, it's going to take a good 10 volumes, but it'll be more than that because each year he seems to release another. He he always has five or six films in um, pre or post-production at any given time. So whilst I'm working on something, he's released yet more films. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'll be drawing him till I'm about 100, I think. But um <laughs> especially because I'm so slow at it, but I've started doing more um, acrylic work now. So, cause some of those drawings were a bit scrappy in the first one, I think. And some, some of them I'd done paintings, others I tried to kind of use pens, which I don't find that easy to use. And, um, um, but I find that I, I get on a bit better with using um, acrylic paints. But then mm. now I've started doing proper paintings and, and then that's like, oh, it takes a lot longer than just doing a scrappy drawing. <laughs> and um, I I have started work on it and I have been working on it for quite some time now and I will get there. I was hoping that it would be finished before the end of this year, but um, the way things have been going, because I think I've felt a bit demotivated for the past at least month or so, mm. just, you know, probably covid that kind of thing yeah yeah politics all, all of that going off at the moment but so i haven't yeah. got as much done but that's why i kind of enjoy things like um the drink and draws that go on because yeah. it makes me join in and i actually sit down and do something right um, yeah but i'm not like i don't really say much nice about my own work but i have got some paintings that i've done of nick cage for the new one that i really quite like so mm that's saying something because i don't usually um give myself any compliments you have to show so, me that yeah enough. so uh, neil breen's cosmic blowtorch <laughs> yeah do you so, know neil breen i know of neil breen I've, I've i don't think i've ever seen his work but i know i've read about him and i've read about his work and then obviously i heard you talk about this on another yeah. podcast and i thought right i've got to have a look at this so he's on my list of people to investigate <laughs> further because he yeah. does he, he tickles that that kind of funny bone in me that i think i might quite like this um yeah. given he, my he is fabulous in, in, in a in a bad sort of way he takes himself very seriously and um uh, you know in the way that because i don't want to say that he's like tommy wizzo and the room because right. he's not but yeah. in the way that Tommy Wiseau kind of realised that people were enjoying his film for the wrong reasons, and he kind of thought, well, okay, I, I can go with that. And he has. He's gone with it, and he's yeah. kind of um, made a success for himself out of it. But Neil Breen doesn't understand that people don't take him <laughs> se as seriously as he'd like to be taken, mm. and he resents it. And... Um, it's not as if people are being mean because they're saying, I really enjoy this film, but not for the reasons that he wants you to enjoy it. So yeah. he, he resents that. And um, I actually went to um, the UK premiere of his um, of his last film, and uh, it was in Bristol at the Bristol Bad Film Club. But right. they couldn't tell him that they were called the Bristol Bad Film Club because he wouldn't have let them have his film. So they kind of just 
bought themselves something else. And it took them about two years negotiating with him to get one of his films. And they finally got him to agree to let them have this this latest film of his. And um, it happened to be his birthday around the time that they were screening this UK premiere. So they asked us all to sing happy birthday to Neil Breen, which we did happily. Um, and he got a standing ovation at the end of the film, which was amazing, amazingly bad, good. And um, he, but he, all he could say when they posted this video of everybody singing happy birthday to him and was, I can see that you turned the lights on in the, in the cinema before the um, credits had finished rolling. And I'm not very happy about that. <laughs> oh, it's a bit of a downer, isn't it? I know. <laughs> But at least he didn't find out about the Bristol Bad Film Club bit. <laughs> Unless he listens to this, and that'll that'll burst his bubble, won't it? Yeah, he takes himself very, very seriously. His, his films are very enjoyable, but but as I say, like he he thinks that he's creating great art. Yeah. But it's not, and you know what you're talking about, people who who were really bad actors. Mm. But it's kind of like passion projects for him because he's the writer, the director, he's the lead actor. He um, writes the the music, he does the catering, he Brilliant. does the costumes, he, do, he, he just does everything. But Fantastic. he's not necessarily the best person to do all of those things. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me from what I've read about him and, and heard about him. He's very much um, similar to Ed Wood, isn't he, in that sense of, you know, Ed Wood was absolutely convinced that he was creating art yeah and in fact what he was creating were i don't think they were the worst films ever made which he yeah. gets sagged with but you know they weren't great they were they certainly and, weren't what he thought they were but they were enjoyable for the wrong reasons yeah exactly. and that's that's the same with with him is that we enjoy his films and the fact that he he has got his own world but sadly his world is that he is the hero of the story and he saves the world and he um is the best he's the only person that's ever managed to hack these things that nobody else has ever managed to hack and yet he can't even turn a computer on you know he's uh he destroys evil and he destroys um evil politicians and uh, big uh evil corporations and he saves the world and all of this kind of thing so he's got massive ego going off there. He can't he can't see the funny side. You know, he he just doesn't um, understand that people will not accept it as great art, and he thinks it is. Uh, Brilliant. And he's got he's got the most basic special effects that you've ever seen, and yet you'd think that it's you know state of the art or something, and it's not. It's not. But that's what he thinks it is. He doesn't stand about how to make films properly. Um, but he makes them anyway. But he makes them anyway, and he keeps doing it, and they are enjoyable to a certain type of person. <laughs> <laughs> it's I great. think you should check him out. I think you should check him out, and then, but don't blame me. <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm sure I'm going to really enjoy him. I've got a feeling that he's going to be. But right anyway, in my so, but but um, Neil Breen's Cosmic Blowtorch isn't just a, a fan scene about him, but it was inspired by him. And uh, the Cosmic Blowtorch is one of his bad visual effects. Um, he, uh, he he's one of those people who always, when somebody's firing a gun, he always has like a fake fire coming out of the end of the gun. And well, um, I... and he has this um what 
we called a cosmic blowtorch, which was that he had somebody using a blowtorch and they clearly couldn't have a real blowtorch because he doesn't really have budgets, I don't know. So he had some kind of thing that doesn't work and then afterwards put on some fire coming out of the end of this metal thing. And uh, it just looked like a cosmic blowtorch. So and that's where right. um, Neil Breen's cosmic blowtorch comes from. He inspired that zine, but it's not just about him. It's a it's a lot of absurd nonsense. It's brilliant. You, it's, you've I've, read it. <laughs> I have read it. And I mean, you, you had me when you had a portrait of David Walkery on the back. Um, <laughs> that, that was when I was hooked. And, <laughs> you know, anything that's got that, that and Telly Savalis. <laughs> it, it's great it's really really good but it's inspired me to want to see his stuff so i will be tracking oh, it down good. and watching it well, um, it's done the trick then hasn't it it but better be as good as as you've pitched it otherwise i'll be uh, most disappointed well, you know adam <laughs> Falp, um watches neil breen and loves neil breen stuff yeah. and um uh as a result russell mark olsen started watching neil breen stuff and he loves neil breen stuff um should be his agent you've yeah. got more people watching his films than he probably has <laughs> <laughs> well, well quite yeah but um but he probably um looked down upon that for um for me selling it in the wrong way the, the david lockery thing just so you know i did that picture for dave as a valentine's card ah. uh, and uh it's rude isn't it um yeah but it's one of his lines um it is it's a I love you so much, I could shit. But what I did was I bought a fake poo and <laughs> and I got a love heart-shaped box that said love on it. It was all, you know, red red fake leather box with um with uh, gold writing that said love. And inside was this fake poo. So I made this card for Dave of um of Mr. David saying um i love you so much i could shit and uh and gave him this this box with a poo in it <laughs> and of course for those of you that that may not quite get the uh john waters link the, the david lockery thing he was um with that other lady on the set he wasn't he? <laughs> and, um, and, and he said i love you so so much You're so right. much i could shit or something You're right. like that and uh but yeah the you know the shit goes throughout you know yeah. <laughs> No, it's great. And another one I've got here as well, which is very quick, we'll have a quick look at, is I think this is genius, and this should be in schools, is the, the uh, previously mentioned Murder in France, because I struggle to learn languages. I can hardly do English, to be honest. But um, <laughs> if I'd have had something like this in school, I'd tell you, I'd have been well away with me, me English and me French studies. Well, and the, the, the swear, they're mostly swear words, aren't they? But that's all you need, though, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> you know that, yeah, that's pretty much what most people learn in. That and I'd like a shampoo and set. And I think you're ready, aren't you? You know, yeah. what more do you need for your holiday? But, <laughs> uh, it is brilliant, though. I mean, where did the inspiration come for, for this? Because it, it's genuinely original. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Um, Aww, oh, so don't a... tell me you copied it off someone. Cause I'm no, disappointed. I didn't. I didn't. But the weird thing is, I have this friend on Twitter who um, I've subsequently met. Because, you know, you have friends on yep. Twitter that you don't really know but you get on really well with and you share interests and stuff but um there's a lady uh called cat himmel right. and she's a really great artist and she does this thing oh, where yeah. there's a sort of history she'll she'll do figures from as when i say history that makes it sound grand because they're also pop culture related um, yeah. but she'll write a really interesting 
succinct write-up of them and what's interesting about them and she'll post it on a day when it's either their birthday or their the anniversary of the death or you know something related so it's kind of like you're learning something you see this great drawing and um and the interesting thing about this was that um she saw my Made in France book and she went oh god I can't do my Johnny Marr thing anymore <laughs> she said I thought I thought I uh, came up with that and I said well to be fair probably loads of people have thought that Jean Marr sounds like Johnny Marr and mm. it's just that I did the book before but she'd done this picture and which I think is a lot better than, than my picture and you're on your last warning now you're on your last warning about your art now she's like this too though so I'm always having to tell her off but um she's like she'd done this picture of um Johnny Marr uh with Johnny Marr on it and um the French phrase which kind of means I'm fed up or you know Mm. um and she was going to get t-shirts made of it and uh and she said oh I can't do that now because it'll look like I've cheated uh, like that I've, I've ripped you off and I said well to be fair I don't think it's anybody's idea because there's lots of people that I, I don't think there's much that's truly truly original out there and it's not like I ripped anybody off so if somebody did it before me I was not aware of it but you know I'm just putting that out there because people have the same ideas at times but I, I just thought so that that came to me because it was a um oh you'd hear French kids saying oh Johnny Ma and it's like why are they talking about Johnny Ma you know <laughs> and uh, of course they're not talking about Johnny Ma but I, I it just gave me the idea that there were other French words which to me sounded like other things or you could use as a prompt to remind you of a phrase in French or something and I thought if I do silly pictures and make it like as if it's a how to learn how to speak French book but using pop culture references people it's, might like it but it's really clever when you read it. <laughs> it, it's like I mean I, I love that the awesome wells I mean the drawing I think is brilliant anyway I think, you know. <laughs> and and you know, so Orson Wells, Orson is bear cub, and and the picture you've done of him with you know with the beard, and he looks like a bear. He looks like he a does you know, look like a bear, and it's it? just little things like that that I just find I I like really BA. really clever. Do you like ba? I like that because because ba ba bracket ba ba. Like, I ain't getting on no plane, so I, yeah. I've got him with a with a plane ticket ba. <laughs> And uh, to, you know, wh wh where is it that he's going to the... Um, From um, LA Underground to whatever help is needed. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And you know another one I love as well, and I thought this is this is so clever, is your Sean Penn, you know, <laughs> Armand Penn, a yeah. soul in torment. Because, again, Sean Penn is 99% of the time, whenever you see him, is a soul in torment in real life. <laughs> or And it's, honestly, it's so clever. I, I love this. I think it's so Aww. good. I mean, any you. book that's got Sean Penn, Sean Connery, B.A. Baracus, and Roddell and Emu. I mean, <laughs> if you don't like that, I just think it's great. And, and the, the, sorry, I get another one. I'll, I'll give it all away. You'll be buy it now. It's all right. Sure. You know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, yeah, trop cher. It's too expensive. It's brilliant. Sonny, should I get some plastic surgery? No, it's too expensive. Do you know it? it struck me when i read it of the vic reeves kind of stuff from you know the original big night out yeah it, it really struck me of that that kind of absurdist absurdity i can't even say it yeah the absurdity but 
funny, genuinely funny stuff that even now makes me laugh when I rewatch it. You it's know, just the I, way you, your mind's wired, isn't it's it? Brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, honestly, it's brilliant. I love, I love it. Um, could you do an you. Italian version? Because I struggle with Italian as well. Um, so. <laughs> well, do you know what? Um, I know a little bit of Italian because I watch so many Italian films. And yeah. I watch, um, I, I know French because I watch lo- loads of French films and listen to French pop music. And that's how I've learned how to speak French. And I think I say in that book that I actually learned how to speak French from um, and conjugate verbs in French from, mm. from um, remembering lyrics to French pop songs. But um, with Italian, I watch lots of um, Italian police films and uh, Italian jolly films, um, so Italian horror films. Um, and uh, th- there's lots of phrases that, that come throughout those films where I, yeah. I know what it means now and I can understand what's being said because the, the phrases crop up so often in these films that um, I actually know little little bits of... I couldn't have a conversation or even say a sentence in, in Italian, but I know I have to say, call somebody an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Well, if ever you do do it in an Italian version, I'll give you one. You can have this one. You can oh, use yeah. um, Boris Johnson, unfortunately, as vile as he would be to draw. It can be the translation for the bill. So I'll, I'll let you work that one out. Oh, OK. OK. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued now. If you look I, at what's the translation for the bill in Italian, um, okay. you, you think it might fit with, with Boris Johnson. But no, I, honestly, I think it's such a good idea. I think it's so clever. And I'm not just saying, I genuinely do. I'd mean stitches when I was reading it. And I actually learned stuff as well. <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> did learn. <laughs> I was like, you know, hey, hey, to see if anybody listen. actually remembers any any of the, the phrases from it. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to memorise them. Next time I see you. I'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be speaking in, in broken French swear words. <laughs> Where's my? You know, just, the, just the thought of, um, of him being called Bez. I know. <laughs> they did love that as well, though. Yeah. I mean, because again, and again, I don't know whether you actually deliberately, I'm sure you did, but, you know, if you've ever read Bez's autobiography, it's hysterical. I mean, it genuinely is hysterical. Oh, I bet it is. He lived yeah. in a cave for a while. You know, stuff like that, <laughs> like genuinely in a cave. Getting um, off the subject a bit, but he, he actually looks more sane than uh, Sean yeah. Ryder now, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> it does. It does. But again, he'd love that. He'd love that <laughs> whole, because it fits perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. So again, what we'll do is, I mean, I can't recommend um, Rachel's stuff highly enough. I'll be honest with you. I think it's, 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 it's all funny. It, it is genuinely all funny. And, but it's not done funny in a taking the piss kind of way. It's it's all affectionately funny, and and that's why it's it's nice and it's nice to read. So we'll put your links in so that people can pick some of these up themselves. Thank uh, you. They are honestly the I think they're superb. So just speaking about zines, then I mean, what have you mm. you know what have you got planned for us coming up? And um, you know, obviously you've promised me uh, Nick, Nick Cage, Cage part two. Yeah, uh, you know, and, um, swearing in Italian as well. Well, well I'll have to put, I'll put that on the list. I've <laughs> also got. Um, I don't know if you if you're aware, but I'm an enormous fan of um, Jane Birkin and Serge Gainsbourg. Yeah. Uh, um, I did a zine about Jane earlier this year. In fact, I, for years, I've been planning to do a biography. Mm. 
but I actually really wanted to do a book about her films more than anything. And she's a she's a little bit uncomfortable about somebody writing a biography about her. Mm-hmm. I think mainly because her daughter died a few years back, and um, um, perhaps she thought it wouldn't be something nice, but it is yeah. because it's a it's a, it's it's made with love and uh, a lot of research, an incredible amount of research, I must say, and yeah. um, my own memorabilia collection and i've got issue two of that should be coming out in the next few weeks actually i've i've finished work on it it's just with dave for finishing the design on it and i can't push him too much because he does it free of charge (laughs) um so so there's that coming up which is number two of the jane birkenzine which it doesn't have any of my drawings in but i have Mm. drawn jane before i have painted her Mm. and then there's nick cage zine two which i am illustrating myself and I've partly done um, a thing called Alien Warrior, King of the Streets. And um, it's a it's a favourite film of mine, which I try to get people to watch. Um, it's a film about a guy who comes down to Earth from another planet and he wants to save us all from great evil. And it's very, very good. Very good. By getting people to read books and, um, you know, you it's, it's very stereotypical. So he meets Latino kids in the street who get into fights and stuff. And he says yeah. to them, come to the library and read books. And they read books and they're like, this is great. Oh, I never knew it was so good. And then he uses them to fight great evil. It's it's terrible and it's amazing at the same time. It's one of my favourite films. So I'm doing a zine about that and about, you know, what Buddy, because he calls himself Buddy, doesn't have a name, but he calls himself Buddy. Um, can teach us or what stereotypical thing that the film shows us but um, you know because the, the, I have to say the bad guy the drug dealer is a black guy this mm. is a film from the 80s so yeah gotta yeah go with yeah. it again know? it's it's about putting things in the context of when they were made yeah. so you know yeah but um, but it but it's really great it's this um, thinking that you can fight um fight evil by giving people something else to focus on and it's a bit it's probably a bit religious as well (laughs) (laughs) um but you know yeah well if you listen to some people they reckon every film's a religious allegory of some sort or other and i'm like well if you want it to be it can be but you know bit of a stretch with the evil dead isn't it and things like that i'm sure i'm sure you could i bet there's a zine oh written a zine about how evil dad is uh yeah <laughs> is a religious probably it, it's got a story to tell uh, about a way of living so that's that's going to be a short zine and I've, I've done most of the artwork for that i just kind right. of got side i do too many things at once and i i always have too many ideas on the go for things that i get carried away with and um and i always mean to finish them off and i will finish them off but i just get sidetracked and I wanted to make sure I definitely got issue two of the Jane Birkin zine out this year. Yeah. Because um, that was delayed by COVID. And um, I, I really do need to focus on the Nick Cage mm. zine. So I should try to finish that before I finish Alien Warrior, really. Do what you feel like doing. I, I do this. I jump from project to project sometimes. So, yeah, do what, do what you want to do, mate. But just speaking of um, fanzines, is there a kind of holy grail of a fanzine that you would you would love to do if, if sort of... You know, that's you could just stop everything and just create a fanzine. Mm. 
Well, if you're talking about me, I, I, if I could do any zine I wanted to do, I'd probably do a Serge Gainsbourg zine, but he's well documented. And um, I might do something small in that. I mean, recently I did um, a Francois Hardy zine and that was old school style, although the cover was designed. Um, yeah. And I had um, uh, my illustration of um, Francois Hardy on the cover. The inside was just press cuttings from UK newspapers about her because she's French and she's very famous in France, but she's famous worldwide because she did a lot of songs in different languages so mm. she kind of reached out and did stuff in German and English and Italian and stuff so she's quite famous but I think there's things that she did over here that French people probably aren't aware of that she all this stuff that she did here in the 60s and 70s yeah and she was on things like Les Dawson's show and um um, like a, a kind of um, London Palladium type thing or something with Kenneth Williams and that. And it's those kind of things that I yeah. think I'd love to see those TV shows if they still exist. And so I've got this uh, this zine that I pulled together of cuttings about Francois Hardy. And I'd like to do something similar for Serge because he isn't that famous here or people know of him just because of Je Tem Wine en Plus. And I love his work, sort of everything, his films acting directing his music the songs he's written for other people his artwork he was a fabulous painter but he didn't think he was a great writer as well and i i like everything about him so i'd kind of like to pull together something on that but th there, there is a lot out there about him so it's a bit more restricted so i think probably the thing that um is my jane zine which is my my um project my yeah the, the love of my life you know, in terms of um, it's it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. So it is my my favourite project, I think, that I do. Um, but that's more serious and it's it's proper research and everything. It looks but, it looks great. I mean, it really does look well, great. I mean, I, I love the cover to the Francois Hardy one as well. Looks good. You know, yeah. Jane, you know, um, people like her and they like the way she looks and um, and so that kind of sells itself that um, I've got tons of um, film memorabilia of wow. um, unusual stuff from different countries and things like that. And uh, um, so people like it because it's got nice pictures of her in it, if nothing else. So um, but there's that. But then in terms of things that I would like to get, there's not that many, but I have some favourite um People, I suppose people always have favourites, but I've got a favourite indie small zine comic writer called Simon L. Reed, and right. I always talk about him. I used to talk about Adam Falk all the time, and I love Adam Falk, but Adam's Adam's in the big time now, so. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't need me um, going on about how fab he is. He is fab, but um, but Simon L. Reed is still fairly low profile. And uh, he just he kind of hasn't um, found his um, network of people yet. And uh, I'm always going on about him all the time to anybody that will listen. I met him in Cardiff. No, Cardiff, yeah, Cardiff at, um, at, at a small comic and small press convention. And I saw his stuff and I just said, I'll have one of everything. And he's like, really? And he's very quiet, quite a quiet guy. And uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, they, they, they look great. And he, what he got was he got these little descriptions next to his zines and they're, they're tiny. You know, they're like maybe eight pages long and they're hand drawn and they're photocopied. 
and he's sat at home and stapled them and things like that. And um, some of them are limited to just 15 copies and things like that. And and I love it. He's just he's he's he is absurd. Um, and he's totally got the same. We've got the same sense of humour. He had these little descriptions of what the books were about. And I was just right. like, I have to have that. I've got to have that. And in fact, like his descriptions of the books were so amazing. I think I got jealous afterwards because he told me one time that somebody said to him, how much is that? And they were pointing to the little sign on the table. And he thought that they meant the zine, you know, and he said, oh, you know, it's three pounds. And they said, um, uh, I meant like the little card thing that he'd, he'd sort of handwritten like a, a summarised description of what the comic right. was about. And this person, he said, well, I don't know if you you can have it. And the guy said, oh, no, um, I'll give you a pound for it. And I was like, Simon, <laughs> how come I'm not allowed to buy them? <laughs> you know, I'm so wow. jealous that this this guy had got one of Simon's descriptions for a pound. Yeah. And um, I, I buy anything he does. And um, it's it's bizarre. It's um, It's sort of got like out of date pop culture references in it. Like Brilliant. characters really um, going on about um, J Lo all the time and stuff, and um, <laughs> and they're all kind of a bit perverted and a bit ambiguous right. and very very odd. It'd be like a guy with a big chin that's got a pineapple stuck in it, and um, he, you know, when I talk to him, he he's not a big talker. He probably mm. is with his friends, but he's not a big talker. But he's very much into comedy and um, absurd comedy. Mm. And he's, in fact, he's doing a, a PhD, I think, in um, in absurdism. Like, wow. and he's going to be the leading figure on the subject of absurdism in, in the UK. <laughs> and um, he's currently working on a graphic novel, which I can't wait to get my hands on. Mm. Um, so I hope that that's going to come out early next year. I keep asking him about it. Yeah. So I hope that people will support his stuff um yeah. he's on you have to send me some links i'll put yeah them in the show. We'll do. So, he's he's, yeah. he's on instagram i think he just doesn't like he's not so very good at marketing himself so i keep talking about him but i suppose if people don't know where to buy stuff then um they can't buy it and sadly because of covid there aren't really any zine fairs or comic fairs at the moment yeah. for him to get himself out there but i i love everything he's done and i i said to him that I wanted to write a little article about him and he I said to him can you tell me which books you've done because I said I think I've got all of them and he said I know you've got all of them one of the reasons that we do this podcast is to try and help people discover other people and other things that they may not have heard before I I don't know about you but I find that like you you like someone and you're you're following their work on Instagram or something and they post something about somebody else that they bought something by yeah and because you like their stuff there's a great chance that you'll like the stuff yeah. they're like you look at it and go that's amazing and so then you start following that person and buying their stuff and it's like you just find this whole new world out there sounds really interesting Look forward yeah. To seeing it. yeah and the other things that i'd really like to get is um i think john tucker did a, a one-off thing I've, i think i've got everything by john tucker apart from this one thing which i think is called dolly and right. he did it for one day only, and it was a kind of giveaway. And um, I really wanted a copy of it, and I never managed to get one. Um, so that's kind of sad. And then yeah. I don't know if you know Paul B. Rainey. Um, um, he's been doing stuff for years. I think he's in that sort of Milton Keynes area. And um, he's currently got a Kickstarter, which I think everybody should support because it looks really good. 
he does this serialised thing called Why Don't You Love Me? And it comes out every Sunday and he posts it on Twitter. And it, I just love it. It's kind of, it could be sad, but it's not because it's kind of, it's dark humour. And it's yeah. about this sort of mismatched couple and their kids and stuff and um, the sadness of their lives. But um uh every Sunday I look forward to seeing this and I keep saying to him Paul when are you going to do it as a book and he's like when somebody will publish it so I really want somebody to to pick it up and I just think it should really be something that I don't know um what's that um uh who are those people in Canada who who um published lots of books I don't think they should do it but oh um Paul, oh, I can't remember now no I can't remember I know it's it. something and something. <laughs> um, That's the one. I think they should publish it, but yeah. So something and something. If you're out there, <laughs> publish yeah. probably. If I find out it is, I'll edit it in. Uh, anyway, I, somebody should publish it, and uh, yeah. I, I think they should put it all together because he he does this thing, and it's every Sunday. There's um, an issue of it, um, Sunday strip, and um, I love it. It makes my Sunday, yeah. and. It's a great yeah. style as well, isn't it? It's very, um, very reminiscent of the, the underground comics kind of style. Yeah, well, Paul's been going for years, and I was so pleased because um, um, short-lived, but um, thank, thanks to COVID, not really around at the moment. We started doing um, a zine fair in Bath, a comic and zine fair called Bam, yeah. and um, I asked Paul if he would come, and he did. He said he said he'd love to come. And uh, and I was so pleased because I I really love his work and he had a nice day there, sold yeah. some books and stuff and had fun and um a couple of times Simon L Reed came over and um uh that was great Brilliant. Uh, you know it just I just you know it wasn't just me there were other people involved with Bam yeah so I was going to ask you about Bam so um mm. obviously it's a it's the comic art and zine fair is that what it's yeah yeah and it's it's set in Bath isn't it. You, yeah, yeah yeah how long so, has that been going is it a couple of years now or um well it probably would be but um yeah. um but but covid nothing this year so i think the last one that we did was just before just de- like december last yeah. year yeah. maybe and um, so i think we've only had three three or four three probably so right. we had one the previous <laughs> um december and it happened quite quickly so I, earlier I mentioned the Comic Summit event, which mm. was um, the free event where you all sort of talked about uh, how to get your work out there. And at that event, well, Vince Hunt was there, but I yep. didn't meet him at the event. I, I was aware of him. Probably for the best, but, but I imagine. I, yeah, well, <laughs> um, well, we met later. and um, But I knew that he, he lived in Bath as well, yeah. and uh, but I just didn't get around to talking to him. He was, um, busy but um i met a guy called sam and um sam does sort of it's not similar to my kind of thing but he he does um sort of one-off jokes so he'd do a drawing with a with a punchline to it and um and sam lives just outside bath and knows a lot of people in bristol and i was saying i really wish that we had a good scene like they have in bristol and i would never manage to get into bristol events and he said well you should do do your own event and i said well um i'll get you to do it with me then 
you know and I didn't kind of think that we'd do it but we'd said that we'd do meetups and meet up other artists and he knew some other people in the Bath area and I said oh I'll invite Vince I'll send him an email and see if he wants to join in as well yeah um, um it just kind of happened because I said would anybody be interested in doing an event and they said well could we afford a venue and I said, mm. well, shall I just ask around and see how much it costs? And, you know, I managed to find a venue that would take us free of charge. Brilliant. And very quickly, they said, when do you want to do it? And it was like, oh, we had three weeks notice. <laughs> and uh, so we just very quickly invited some of our friends to come along and did a small one to start off with to see how it went. And we all loved it. And um, people came and people bought things. And um, we had a nice time and said, let's do it again. So yeah. we started planning it then and we did one in the following summer and then another one in the December the plan was to do two or three a year but Covid's got in the way of that and in some maybe a good thing I don't know because it was taking up a lot of time right uh, but then somebody has to organize these things I suppose but really do miss um going to comic and zine fairs oh yeah and meeting people and having a store with your stuff and getting depressed because no one's looking at it and then (laughs) i know there's something quite nice about sitting there and being ignored sometimes (laughs) (laughs) but no i do miss comic cons it's strange because we've only been doing them for the last year so um yeah because i saw you um yeah it was yeah which i think will be infamously the only comic con this year um you know oh my god was it this year yeah i think it was the first of february or something this year and that was it right and then not long after yeah yeah and then it all went horribly wrong didn't it but there is something about i was saying to each other day about a convention i do miss it and i miss the fact that you know you're never going you're never going to make any money at a convention unless you're really lucky you know but if you can just cover your costs of your table then it's a great day and if not just actually seeing people again networking and chatting it's yeah. amazing how much you miss it and I, I mean I love seeing other people's work I mean I, I you know I, the thing at True Believe was I loved was you know about 20 yards from me was, was Steve Sims and his battle badges and yeah. you know and things like that Adam was around the corner Adam Felt yeah. and you know and it's just it's just a really nice meetup isn't it and I think yeah. even if we need to have table lovely as well though, yeah yeah, I was saying this to Stuart. I think even if he ran a, a convention without any tables and people just got together and sat in a room, it'd be equally as fun. It's great. Could probably just turn up because actually, do, um, do you remember when um, you said to me, "Bring bring one of your books with you," you know, and and um, also um, Gustavo Vargas was there as well, and he yeah. said to me, "Bring one of your, your Nicholas Cage books with you." And I was like, "I'm not even tabling at this event, and I'm bringing stuff." Doesn't matter. <laughs> So I think actually you're right, Stuart could probably just get everybody to meet up in a pub and we'd all just bring copies of our books and sell yeah. them to each other. I'd have I'd have like big pockets sewn into a long coat so I could like open the sides and go, What are you in the mood for? You know, what do you want? A bit of horror, a bit of wrestling, what are you after? <laughs> no, it'd be it'd be great. Um the amount of work that goes into setting up an event. And even something, you know, like you say with BAM that, you know, wasn't wasn't a huge event. But I need, no but when i saw the pictures it looked great you know and it's when you get um kind of envy that you live so far away because i live up in the north and yeah you know to get down to bath and back it's, it's quite a journey and but if i did live near i definitely oh, yeah, would well, go we, you know well, we definitely have you if um if we, if we were doing another one but i don't know if the steam will have gone out of it by the time things have I, changed my gut feelings i think the first couple of 
um, events that will happen whenever they happen, they'll either be completely and utterly chaotic because people will be chomping at the bit, mm. or they'll be strangely quiet because people will still be <laughs> concerned that everyone's going. It's going to be chaotic, or be that. Oh well, I'll just I'll see how it goes and I'll let other people go yeah. first. But it'll get back in its stride. I think once we get to a point where we feel safer and they will be different. I think. I do you think it will change the way that we we interact? It. How do you feel about online events at the moment? Like, I'm I'm not sure. I I ended up doing one. You know, the the one that I mentioned where I met Simon L. Reed in the yeah. first place, Cardiff one. That was an amazing event. I've I've never sold as much stuff as I sold at at that event. Wow, brilliant! And there were people coming in all day. Yeah. And you were uh, you were packing up and then another bunch of people had come in and you go, oh, sold some more stuff. And um, I, I'm not talking a lot of money because, you know, this is small press that we're talking about. Yeah. But in terms yeah. of the volume of stuff that I sold, I've never sold so much Super. anywhere else. It was a really mm-hmm. nice event. And, of course, looking forward to the next one. And they said, would I like to come again? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, yes, please. And um, it ended up being an online event and um and it was they organized it really well they did a really because they didn't have much notice of course yeah um they had some bad luck as well because the venue that they were using um shut down so they had to get a new venue they got a new venue and then covid happened oh, bloody so hell. then they did this they organized it so they had like a it was a, an interactive thing where you could say do you turn left or right and go to so-and-so store and you could oh, visit good. everybody's store yeah. And so all they asked you to do was to, to um, put links to where they, people could buy your stuff. Um, and it was really great. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. I think I bought some stuff, but um, I didn't sell one thing. No, we've been in, involved in a few. We were um, invited to be involved in a Dutch one. Oh, and that was nice. It was it was a good event. But again, we've got a couple of commissions out of it, but didn't really sell anything as such. But I think nobody's really worked out the the golden kind of formula for these online conventions yet but it's just not quite the same is it and no it's, and that... it's not the same for people picking your stuff up and kind no. of like, oh that looks interesting you know that's because that's how people buy stuff is looking and, at it and i think a lot of the time you get sales at conventions by just talking to people and people mm. realizing that you're actually quite normal you know you're not <laughs> And I don't mean the hard sell, you know, the oh, if you put yeah. it in their hand and all that crap. You know, the stuff yeah, Tony yeah. talks about that, that drives people mad like himself. We've had this where people have just dropped by and they've stopped and had a look at something. And you just started to chat to them. And once they talk to you about your work, it's amazing how many times they go, yeah, do you know what? Go on then. I'm going to I'm going to take that. Whereas you can't yeah. do that virtually, really. No. It's quite difficult. Because um, also, I mean, basically, people are seeing the cover of something and a description yeah. of it, and they're going like, "Oh, yeah, maybe like think about wrestling's not for me, but actually, yeah. if they looked at it, they'd find that it is." You know. But you know, it's so it's a shame in that sense. It's not as like you say, there's that tactile bit, isn't there? And I think if somebody could crack that kind of formula of how do you replicate, like you say, I love the idea of saying, "Do you want to go left and have a look at this table? Go left, look at mm. that." That's it. And I think and with did, Zoom and all look- that. It's possible. Probably. Yeah. It was. It was great. Mm-hmm. But I get they probably just didn't get the engagement that you get with people turning up and just browsing. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, and I think it is partly that um, about just getting people to not only as creators we need to learn how to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to learn how to be able to do what we do through I virtual think, means. You know, but... um, who's that guy? Um, 
I kind of know him, but don't know him. Um, he does the um, the Elephant Man comics, which I really love. Is it Merrick? That's the one. Yeah, Merrick. I yeah, I absolutely love those comics. I've, oh, that now that's a holy grail for me. Number one issue of Merrick, because of course I've got the the volumes, but right. I started collecting the individual issues, and I haven't got a copy of number one. Tom so Ward. That, that's something Tom Ward. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was Tom Ward, but I thought I was making it up. But Tom. I started doing this um, um, sort of uh, kitchen comic convention thing. Yeah. So he'd in, you know he'd invite people to to join in. Like it was limited numbers, and um, but people would have a have a kitchen comic convention slot, um, and uh, I think that has worked really well because it's video, you know. So people are are up there live, you know, and they're giving a talk and talking about their their comics and what they do and stuff like that but I think right. it takes a certain kind of person so if you're shy yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be very good at it because I just wouldn't you know I'm the, I'm the kind of person that's like um oh oh if you're not interested it's all right you know <laughs> so it <laughs> doesn't, it's not really a good sell is it but um but other people are quite entertaining and um engaging and present what they do in a, in a good yeah. way yeah I mean I was saying this the other day I think we've given away um, more stuff at some cons than we've sold to be honest you know because <laughs> i'm just so thrilled if somebody's interested in it and and you know they do the old oh you know if i had seen this i'd have you know spent my money and you go oh, go on just take oh, it just you take know it. And, like, yeah. and you think oh you know i can't keep doing that and then you yeah. do it again it's bizarre is it but it, that's why we create though isn't it it's not we're it's not really, doing it cause we're going to make money no because i don't know about you but I don't, there's not really a good margin anyway and then no. you've paid to be at an event and you've gone to the event and you're never you know in my case you're never going to make your money there are people that sell enough um quantity to 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 make a little bit of money but it's not gonna make you a living you've got to yeah go to the next level but then most of the people i know they're not interested in um in making it into a career because it might take the enjoyment out of it anyway but some of us would probably like to be able to just do it full time yeah no. to go to a normal job oh it'd be lovely wouldn't it i yeah. mean it's it's about tipping the balance that's the game that yeah. you try and get isn't it you know but uh sure when cons come back they'll be um they'll be wonderful and i'm sure that at virtual cons as we say will they'll take the kitchen con theory and splice that with something else be interesting to see what they do with thought bubble because i know they're talking about doing some interesting I know. stuff so well i didn't get into thought well we didn't sorry um we no. used art nine to submit and we didn't get it so they're, they're dead Ugh. to me now no they're not really. I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> no, they're not at all it, it'd be fab wouldn't it but it's like yeah oh. and uh, and tony tony um esmond he was uh outraged when i when i said i hadn't got in he's like what? Like, yeah. And I was like, I, but I haven't got a vast quantity of stuff, and I don't really, I'm not really a comic book person. I just kind of get squeeze in usually because I do a few illustrations. Uh, but you know, so I I understand. But yeah. but then you see some of the stuff that some other people are doing, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, that's that's the thing in it. And sometimes I, I do think that if you've been in before, um, it helps. Yeah. Possibly make that decision because it must be very difficult to curate kind yeah. of yeah and of an course event. they're always going to get far more applications Absolutely. than there are places yeah. Yeah. but but you do kind of think perhaps they should um not just that i'm not talking about them but in general 
and Bam was guilty of it because basically, you know, John Tucker was at every event and uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way. You know, you just mm. kind of think like, of course, John Tucker's coming. You know, if, he's, if, he, if he wants to come, he's coming. But at the same time, there's probably people going, why didn't they invite me? <laughs> mm. I know, I know. But you can't invite everyone, can you? And you've got no. to, you know, you've got to pick the people that you think will make your event a success. So. It doesn't, and again, we're we're relatively new, so we don't have kind of contacts and networks and things like that that a lot of people have, you know, that yeah, they'll put in a good word or whatever it may be, and we haven't got yeah. that, and we know that, so you know, we're still very much um, trying to get ourselves almost just established as being regular creators, you know, because that's yeah. sometimes what they're after, isn't it? Um, but hey, keep going, you never know, we might get in there one day. I'm cracking on though. I do sometimes Sorry? think, like, am I too old for this? Yeah, you know? get old. But well, I know, but I am, I am old, you know. <laughs> I have naps every day. <laughs> I Don't watch start me on feeling old. I, I watch you. the detective shows and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. That's been fantastic. I mean, I really enjoyed that, and I knew we'd have a good laugh, and I'm sure people have enjoyed it as well. So just before we uh, we kind of wrap up. Mm. Do you want to tell people where they can find your wonderful work that we've been talking about? You know, links to yeah. social media and websites and stuff? Yeah, well, I don't really have a website as such. I mean, like I said, I, did, I used to do a couple of blogs, but I don't really keep them up to date. And uh, they were about other things. So I've got my Etsy shop, which is small, but there are things in it. You go to Etsy and it's Tiny Noggin and Tiny Noggin's all one word, T-I-N-Y. N O double G I N, and uh, that's the same for Twitter. I'm Tiny Noggin on Twitter, and on Instagram, I'm Rachel Tiny Noggin because somebody else had Tiny Noggin. Bastards. Oh. Um, so um, Rachel spelled R A E C H E L. It's so that's Rachel Tiny Noggin uh, on Instagram, and uh, I'm quite active on all of those. Um, don't post so much on Instagram because um, I only tend to put sort of finished work on there but uh but I, but i'm on there looking at other people's stuff and thinking i need to buy that and uh, i'm on twitter quite a lot and Good. i do have things for sale in the etsy shop including all of those things that you've mentioned apart from the morrissey book which is um, in my hallway and no well, it could be acquired all. if someone wanted to read it couldn't they i'm sure if you can't yes yes it, it could be it's just um i just felt a bit embarrassed selling it to be honest now because morrissey being naughty but um i wouldn't no honestly it doesn't you know it doesn't read that way it's not it's it's a humorous look at it if nothing else for people like me and other fans of the smiths I, you know as a book I it's still a great like book you but, should um, you should put it back out there it's a great book honestly and i would encourage if anyone is interested get in touch with uh, with rachel and get a copy because it is really good it is really good and it's much better than the autobiography i've got to say <laughs> <laughs> which was hard going to say the very least thank no, you it's, it's been lovely being on your show because um you oh, just you. Lo- lovely things all the time <laughs> you know and rachel's a lovely person to to chat with so you know i'm really pleased that you came on and Aww. Again, I hope that uh, I've had quite a good run lately of having guests on. Who I had to a... listen to your show from last week because that oh. looks very interesting. Oh, is that the, like... the Graham Humphreys? Yeah, it, yeah. it looks, it looks uh, very much my cup of tea. It's good fun. Um, yeah. The, 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 um, the one we did uh, with Paul Johnson as well. That was a good one. You like yeah. that? That was the other Halloween one. Yeah. But, uh, oh, and I'll give them both a listen. 
It's been great to have you on, and I'll put all Thank the links you. to everything in the show notes. And if you want to find out more about the work I do, it's at art92.com. That's no numbers, it's all letters. And again, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's all art92. Because I say this every week if we, we had more than one handle when it gets to our age, you know, you're lucky if you remember <laughs> to put your pants on in the morning. So if you, if you start having different social media handles, you've no chance, you know, we'd never log into anything ever again. And if you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I've enjoyed it and you want to listen to more, then you can find us on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. We're on all sorts of... I didn't know there was that many podcast things out there that capture them. I still don't understand all of that. No, I don't. I I just follow people's links. Yeah. I mean, I upload it to Podbean and then it suddenly appears like, you know, on ding dong or something and i'm like oh <laughs> it was on there you know but you can find us on there and if you feel inclined please leave us a review because it apparently it helps people find the show um because it proves that people are actually listening to it and and it, it astounds me when i find that people are actually listening to it as well so that's nice sorry i was gonna say don't forget to post a picture of your um john waters autograph. i will um, I want to see your see your autograph. So. And I'll send you the picture of me meeting the great man himself. Where oh yeah, fab. You can tell by my face that I'm a little bit excited. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Once again, thanks to Rachel, and I'll just leave you with a quote from CM Punk, who was a wrestling legend of a few years ago, and he said, "Wrestling is pretty DIY. It's like being in a band." or running a zine, except I get to kick people in the face. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Goodbye.